where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. Hello, we're back. It's James. And it's your boy, Troy. Your boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are we discussing today then, dear chap? We're talking about Lover Boyd, which is episode 22 of season 8, which aired on the 29th of March, 1990. Good date, that is. Good date. It's your birthday, isn't it? It is my birthday, yeah, correct. Boy, boy, boy. <laughs> Fun fact, straight off the bat, Lover Boy uh, was a Kirstie Alley film from 1989. Oh. Yeah. So it's, a, know. so it's a very meta-parody title. Yeah. There you go. It's a Woody episode, as you could tell. It's directed by... James Burroughs, written by Brian Pollock and Mert Rich. Yeah. Mert. Mert. Don't know, don't know where else to go with that, but yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, leave that one out there for you. <laughs> they're the trio behind this episode. Shall we start with the cold open? We shall. It's spring training. Sports. Yeah. Sports. Specifically what sports, though? Uh, Boston. Yes. Boston, Boston, what? Boston sports? Boston sports. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, Spring training is happening for, for baseball. My mm. And the gang are placing bets. And as usual, Norman Cliff bet on the Red Sox to make the pennant, uh, despite the stats being against them. You know? Oh, they were them, them old sports stats. <laughs> Question. What's the pennant? Oh, I was worried you'd ask this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a pennant is a commemorative flag typically used to show support for a particular athletic team. In each Major League Baseball division, one American League team wins the pennant, signifying that they are the league's champion and have the right to play in the World Series against the champion of the National League. I see. Why it's done in spring training, I don't know. I would think that, you know, the World Series, it is who just wins this respective division series against each other. But there you go. Uh, The word pendant actually dates back to the 17th century. And it's a combination of two words. Pendant was originally described as a rope used for hoisting. And pennon was described as a flag for a warship. Pennon was usually hoisted by a warship who had won a significant nautical battle. It's comparable to Bookie's favourite here, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's a different attitude to to gambling in the US, where Mm -hmm. here there doesn't necessarily seem to be an award that's given out to whoever's the most favourable team is. You you can correct me, but I think for what is probably our national sport of football, it's just they're the most favoured because they've won the most matches, you know? Yeah, you won the most matches, you won the league. I don't think, yeah, you get a trophy. I don't think there's anything like a, a pennant, though. But like the the World Cup qualifying matches, you don't win for being the most favoured team for that. As far as I'm aware, just they just go, "Good job, yeah." You think we think you'll do well? <laughs> well done. Good yeah. luck. Yeah. <laughs> you get nothing. Good day, sir. <laughs> so they've chosen the Red Sox, understandably, with being in Boston. Frazier picks the Yankees, though, doesn't he? Well, because he's a maverick and a fool. (laughs) (laughs) Woke up and chose violence. Yeah. (laughs) You're feeling spicy today. I don't... (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) They're quick to remind him of what happened to the last guy that chose the Yankees, though. 
Yeah, they uh, and they wheel him in. He's hung upside down and gagged on a clothes rack, which is sinister. <laughs> I think the guy who was last to say that, I want to say it was Steve. You know what you're like, Steve. So they, they ransack Frasier, try to tie him to the chair, and the music goes off as he goes, no, no, I, no, I was joking, please. <laughs> On to the main episode. The main episode is much about Woody and Kelly's relationship. He's got a uh, he's got a promise ring for her, which is nice. It's it's yeah, it's a bit weird. I've never heard of it. It must be a real old fashioned thing. It's yeah, it was around in the seventies and eighties. They they referred to they talked about them in that seventies show a couple of times. I think it's obviously as societal attitudes to relationships have changed. Mm. I think it's that statement of commitment has changed as well. Mm. Then I think it was much more common for people to become engaged or, or to be married younger uh, because of various courting practices. Yeah. You know? That's not to say that everyone now is much more promiscuous, though it might be true, but it's, it's certainly not expected that the first person you date, you have to marry or mm-hmm. you have to marry before any sort of consummation or official relationship status. You know, it's not Dickensian-like anymore, where it's like, well, I got unwell with this person, but, you know, <laughs> it's nothing, nothing has happened and nothing's official. And, uh, as, you know, as soon as we have declared our intent, then we're proposed. It's not the same anymore. You know? <laughs> nah. Just put it on Facebook. That makes it official, apparently. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so this, this is a ring before they buy you another ring, before they buy you a bigger ring. This is a promise ring to say at some point I will buy you an engagement ring. So this is this is the prequel to the difficult second album. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I've bought jewellery for a girlfriend of mine, but they, they didn't have an alarm on their face. When, no, no, it's just jewellery. Calm down, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> this means nothing, yeah? You like jewellery. This is jewellery. That's it. <laughs> nothing more, nothing less. <laughs> Calm. <laughs> hold your horses yeah <laughs> and then she went oh good I went yeah yeah no, we're on the same page it's, fine. <laughs> it's just a shiny trinket <laughs> <laughs> and you know it's it's nice that he's getting her that yeah I think what's motivated him is that she is heading to Europe pretty soon yeah has doubts has worries and wants to basically kind of cement the fact that he wants to be with her recognise the fact she's going away but wants to know that she still has the intent of being with him when she's back and, and vice versa Sam says he's given a lot of promise rings to women but for much much cruder reasons he doesn't even say he's given the promise ring he says yeah if by promise ring you mean knights of unforgettable passion now that's the safe version that's the safe version <laughs> check this out sam it's a promise ring for kelly by giving her this ring i'm making a deep and solemn promise that someday i'm going to give her an engagement ring that's beautiful man that's beautiful i've given a lot of those to women of course uh my case, it was a deep and solemn promise that their backs will arch. Oh, it's just, yeesh. yeah. Yeah, it's it's dirty. <laughs> just... Filth, lime scale. <laughs> Need uh, Barry Scott to Barry come Barry Scott in. of Silip Bang fame. <laughs> yeah, come in and the Sam is gone. <laughs> <laughs> Bin him off. So let's move on from uh, the filthy Sam. <laughs> 
and Kelly enters and she's, you know, she, <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? They've parodied or referenced this in The Simpsons many times. I'd love to uh, get to know you, but I'm being shipped away in the morn. That type of... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to war in the morning. I ain't got time for this. Yeah, hint, hint, you know. And there's a great line in The Simpsons where it's Abe Simpson's talking about, basically, turns out Homer's had a long-lost sister. And and flashbacks, and it's him and his old black and white footage, and he goes, and I got to know this girl, or I'm being shipped away in the morn, and then they uh, kind of bow down, and it pans up, and (laughs) the narrator goes, little did I know, I actually was being shipped away in the morn. (laughs) (laughs) Sleazy, sleazy old man. But yeah, apparently it's been in his family for years, this promise ring, and his dad gave it to, and I quote, some chick on Guam. (laughs) Just anyone, you'll do. Have this. Yeah. But what happens is he says your dad, he's just trying to send you away to not get rid of me, but basically to to get you away from me because he doesn't tolerate me at all. Because you know what he's like. And she goes, oh, what a terrible thing to say. She's not a fan of that. Not a fan of that. And I kind of get it. And then he says, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I take it back. And then it just escalates. And I'm like... Oh, with your drama and your promise rings, just oi. Oi. I turned into Jerry Stiller. <laughs> that drama I had, I had no... No time for. No. Just honestly say, oh, I don't think he likes me very much, and that's all I meant by it. Done. Easy. Dance around it and just digging deeper. <laughs> but, you know, she, uh, she tries to push the promise ring back into his hands and uh, heads off, unhappy. Fuming. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. She's off. She's on her travels. Meanwhile, there's a designated driver debacle. Carla says they need to uh, all write their names down, put it in a hat to decide who's the designated driver at the bar for the evening. When writing his name down on a bit of paper, Cliff writes his name down, and, and one of them was saying you can you can tell a lot about someone by their signature. And as soon as Fraser sees Cliff's signature, he doesn't like that. He's scared right off. Uh, you know, I understand you can... Uh... Tell a lot about a person by analyzing the signature. You ever, you ever uh, get into that, Doc? Oh, come on. I'm a trained psychiatrist, not some fortune teller in a cheap carnival tent. Uh, yes, too bad. I always uh, wondered what my signature said about me. Mother of God. So as it transpires, Norm doesn't put his name in the hat, does he? Because Carla finds his name on the piece of paper down on the floor rather than in the hat of everyone else's. What I like is you actually see Norm or George went doing that. You, you know, you're just, when they're passing the hat around, you see him throwing it over his shoulder. You know, the camera doesn't focus on. No. But it, it is happening. And I thought that was quite good that, you know, it was in shot. As retaliation, they all put Norm, don't they? Mm-hmm. First time I entered this damn thing, you couldn't pick Norm Peterson or Norm Peterson. <laughs> well, Fraser Crane, at least one person here is honest. I beg your pardon, I wrote Norm Peterson. <laughs> I guess you're right. I wrote that. <laughs> Classic. So Norm's a designated driver, which means no uh, no suds for old Norm there. No, no. Nope. Dry evening for big Norm. <laughs> <laughs> big Normy P. Beer shall not be drank on this day. You know, he leaves ostensibly to, to go on an errand somewhere. He's dropping people off, you know, being the designated driver. He comes back and <laughs> he looks a bit a bit annoyed. Rebecca goes, no such thing that. You're still our designated driver, remember? 
uh, and he goes, I know that, you know that. Did you have to tell every bar in town? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's good. <laughs> One thing which was interesting is due to this debate which is going on between Woody and Kelly and, and by extension Kelly's dad, Rebecca, you know, is kind of being quite angry and salty towards... Yeah, I didn't quite get why at first, but doesn't it turn out that she just basically hates rich people and she will continue to do so until she becomes rich and then she'll hate poor people because that's apparently the American way. Yeah, that's it. (laughs) And it, it also falls back into an earlier line from Carla in a different episode where she lists all reasons she hates rich people. You know, they look down on you. They have no sense of of community or loyalty. And the worst thing of all about rich people is I'm not one of them. (laughs) At this point, Woody tries to get advice from Sam. Worst person to get advice from. Yeah, and he's like, we'll just go over there and and tell her how much she means to you. You know, make it up to her. Woo her a bit. And Woody interprets it because he's an innocent guy as uh, propose, elope. Keen listeners might remember in a past episode, I forgot the word elope. So I I called it going on the romantic commute. (laughs) The romantic commute. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Nice ring to it. Yeah. And I think I call it that because of the ending of The Graduate, you know. What are they doing? (laughs) Well, they're on a bus, they're commuting. No. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know whether America has this, but I'll bring it up again because I did mention it before, but it was a long time ago. In the UK, there's a specific historical place where people elope to because Scotland and England had different marriage laws. You're familiar with this, probably. No, I'm not actually. Go on. It's, It's one of the first towns, if you're going from England into Scotland, it's one of the first towns across the border, right? And this was... A while ago, I, th- I think it was even the case in the 60s and 70s. It was, yeah, no, it was the case in the 70s because uh, Leo Sayer released Moonlighting in the 70s, and it's about a couple of which is eloping, uh, and it's called Gretna Green, hence the phrase, we're only two miles to Gretna and 500 behind, or something like this. Oh, okay. And the reason that people went from England to Scotland to get married was because the legal age to get married in England, without parents' consent, was 18, right? Right. In Scotland, it was 16. So 16 and 17-year-olds went from England to Scotland uh, to get married. Yeah. The more you know. Yeah, and I think that's that's nice. And it's still very popular today for all that historical significance, you know? That's cool. Yeah. That's not happening in this Cheers episode. Uh, It's... You know, it's not as well planned or thought through. Woody needs to have a has a have a chat with Leo Sayer, you know, for advice is what I'm saying. But you know, he is in the mood. Doesn't work. Oh, I was going to say it, and I went, no nonsense. <laughs> Thing is, it made sense as a pun, but it's just stupid. <laughs> I was going to say, but he is in the mood for dancing because he talks to Sam. Oh, yeah, no, Jesus. Oh, <laughs> But instead of Leo Sayer's advice, he's getting Sam's advice. He decides, you know, he does go over to uh, to the Gaines household and he needs someone strong to hold the ladder because she lives on one of the higher floors and he's going to sneak in the window uh, and oh, surprise her. With a- this feels like a, a very Romeo and Juliet moment. Yes. With added Sam. 
And with added <laughs> Sam, uh, yeah, uh, Sam in Romeo and Juliet would have been quite funny. Actually, I don't think I know any uh, lines from Romeo and Juliet other than Romeo, Romeo, where art thou, Romeo? I'm here, love. I'm here. That's the, that's the main line. That was verbatim as well, for those that don't know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm here, love. Oh, yeah, come in then. <laughs> <laughs> Get on with it. Are you proposing or not, Romeo? Hmm? (laughs) Yeah, so they get this ladder and they try all, you know, a few different windows, you know? If at first you don't succeed, keep trying other windows. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, the the farce, the farce, (laughs) how it builds and it builds, builds, builds. And uh, Sam makes a new friend, doesn't he? Aye. There's a, a maid. Chambermaid. Yeah. Chambermaid, that's it. Mm-hmm. What I like is that the writers of this episode clearly had strong opinions about Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> because there's no other reason to put it in uh, no. other than going, we really liked this film and we're going <laughs> to let the people know about it. Just shoehorn that in there. <laughs> yeah. Shoehorn them in. Oh, yeah, she's watching Ghostbusters. Ah, that, is, that, that film got robbed at the awards. Yeah, it did. Looking at the camera. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, eventually, they do find Kelly's window. Turns out there's a hell of a lot of Barbie dolls in there. Oh, boy. Yeah, well, Sam says G.I. Joe would come on leave there someday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's 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 quite sinister how many Barbie dolls there are. Yeah, it is. So this is where Woody decides it would be a good idea for them to get engaged, but secretly engaged. Ah. But before he's able to do that, Kelly's dad comes in. Who is Kelly's dad played by? And while we're on that subject, who else features in this episode? Good question. Richard Doyle plays Mr. Walter Gaines. Jackie Swanson as Kelly Susan Gaines. Uh, middle name will become relevant in a bit. Uh, Tony De Benedetto as Tony. Trish Ramesh as Chambermaid. She also appeared in the TV show version of Fame. Caddyshack 2, Empty Nest, Dream On, A Night at the Roxbury. General Hospital, and many others. Steve Ginelli is Steve, and Philip Pullman is, again, uncredited as Phil. Travesty. It is a travesty. Disrespect. So, Walter comes in uh, and gives quite a nice heartfelt speech uh, about her going off to study. Come in, Daddy. (laughs) Ah, honey. So, my little Kelly Bell is leaving me. Leaving you? (laughs) Why do you say that, Daddy? I'm not going away. Well, you're going off to Europe. Oh, there. Yeah, well, I don't think of that as a way. (laughs) Look at you now, all grown up and beautiful. I can't help but think of a little toe-headed butterball taking her first steps. Now I'm sending you off to see the world. And if when you come back, you still want to be with Woody, well, that'll be fine with me. Because I'll know you're making a grown-up decision. But no matter how grown-up you get, you'll always be my only Kelly. And I'll always be your only daddy. Till the day I die. (laughs) Sweet dreams, sweetheart. It's quite a nice touching moment, actually. At this point, Woody is locked in the wardrobe, which he was swiftly thrown into uh, when Kelly realised that her dad was coming into the room and 
upon getting thrown in there, realizes there's a lot of dismantled Barbie dolls, namely, I think, arms or legs, and uh, <laughs> explains it that it's essentially her when she gets quite frustrated. Just her coping mechanism is to just rip the limbs off Barbie dolls. It's quite scary. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I want to talk about this Walter Kelly moment where for the past couple of seasons, Walter Gaines has been portrayed not necessarily as a villain, but certainly someone who is quite oppositional to Woody, mm. right, in terms of class divide and everything. Yeah. So as a result, we didn't tend to like him. He was nowhere near as as slimy or as, as villainous uh, as the likes of Robin Colcord or, or Evan Drake or mm. Gary, even to an extent. He's not as you know villainous as, yeah. as them, but he was an oppositional force. But with this moment with Kelly, I certainly finally understood everything about why he'd been so oppositional because he has been in this high society for as long as Kelly's been alive and all the boys he knows of Kelly's age, he is probably also known, you know, because of that, that shared society. So when Woody comes in, he, yes, has a certain disdain for what he would perceive as a lack of class, but I think it's more the fact that he doesn't know what Woody's type of character is, you know? He doesn't mm. know that archetype of person. And, you know, what he's saying to Kelly, you kind of go, I understand this man, you know? Mm-hmm. I understand why, why he's been the way he has. Yeah. That's what we call in the wrestling business a face turn. Ah. You have heels, you have faces, the good guys, the bad guys. It's when someone that you've perceived or has been perceived as a bad guy has a face turn, a good turn, and you side with them or you at least understand them. Yeah. He's a good egg, actually, is is Walter. Posh egg, like a gilded egg. After this, he leaves, doesn't he? Because he he essentially came in to tell Kelly that he'll miss her in Europe and he loves her and he'll always be uh, his special little girl type thing, which is nice and heartfelt. And then he, he leaves. Kelly's like, all right, Woody, let's elope. <laughs> He's like, I, can't, I can't do it. I can't. I can't. <laughs> Which I think is mature of Woody, really. Um, yeah. And as you alluded to, they agree to become secretly engaged, which has logical pitfalls all over it. <laughs> riddled. It's absolutely riddled with pitfalls. <laughs> the main one being that if she's in Europe uh, and Woody's here, in order for them to be secretly engaged, in order to, for it to be an effective secret, no one must know. And the best way to convince people that you're not engaged is to not act as though you're committed. So it's yeah. a very strange uh, situation they found themselves in. It's very odd. And also, if she was already secretly engaged and he wouldn't know because she couldn't tell him. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a part of an attitude at, at the time, though, in that there's a lot of reasons people aren't in relationships now. And there's not really a societal, you know, I only speak of myself and the people I have most interacted with, but there's not really a societal expectation of them to be in a relationship. Maybe a familial expectation, but generally the people you socialize with don't seem to care that much who you're with or not in a relationship with. No, not really. I've certainly not come across it. I think, yeah, as you say, I think it's very different 
even it's not even that long ago, but kind of certainly early nineties, late eighties sort of time. Yeah, I, I I don't really see it as much anymore. Oh, it reminds me of um, it's a wonderful life, which you know is a good film, but there's certain attitudes and tropes in that are meant to uh, shock audiences at the time. But now it's just like I don't really care. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Look, she she's forty years old and a librarian and single, and you go good for and- her. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> you crack on, love. You do you, boo. Yeah, just <laughs> great. She loves books. <laughs> just fine. But yeah, it's it's certainly a uh, change in, in mm. attitudes. But that's what they agree. They agree to be secretly engaged. And at this point, Woody tries to leave. Yes, he does. Tries to leave whilst maintaining a gaze, whilst keeping that kind of lasting look as the last time he'll see her until she returns from her studies, realises the ladder has disappeared from the window and just <laughs> doesn't fall the whole way, but certainly struggles on his way out. We'll figure out why in a bit. Let's go back to Cheers. Let's talk about Norm, because he's driven everyone home. He has, yeah. Where's he taken them, though? Have they gone home or have they gone somewhere else? Oh, he's a, he's a sneaky one. He's driven them all to Carla's place <laughs> as revenge. <laughs> <laughs> and she goes, what? And leaves. So Norm goes, oh no, I'm alone in the bar where all the beer is. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. And he predictably pours himself some beer behind the bar. What's a guy to do? That's our Norm story, end. <laughs> why has Woody been dangling? Well, I'll tell you why Woody's been dangling. Because Sam is busy eating cheddar-flavoured popcorn with his favourite chambermaid as they watch Ghostbusters. Cheddar popcorn. What a night. Want to know a fun fact about the uh, Ghostbusters music video? You can give me all the facts you want about Ghostbusters. I love it. George Wendt appears in the music video. Does, doesn't he? He does, yeah. yeah go- What's Norm doing here? Amazing. And Jean Cassim. She had a small but memorable part in the Ghostbusters movie as a dancing blonde at Louis' party. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know which bit you're referring to. Yeah, yeah. Love that crossover. They're all part of the same connected universe. It's like the MCU all over again. It is, yeah. (laughs) Tommy Westfall universe now including Ghostbusters. All right, Cliff. Yeah, no, yeah, yes, shut up, please. Norm drove him here. Thank you. I'll tell you what, I'm glad he doesn't have a microphone on him. That's all I'm saying. Anyway... (laughs) As usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. Got a few questions here. We learn in this episode uh, that Woody and, and Kelly debate about each other's middle names, Kelly's being Susan and Woody's being Tiberius. What other American TV character has the middle name Tiberius. <laughs> I know this because I have the same question. Ah. It's James Tiberius Kirk, a Star Trek fame. That's Captain James Tiberius Kirk. All right. <laughs> <laughs> name, okay, I'll throw that one back to you then. Name another famous Tiberius. Oh. Tiberius. Is, um, is it a wrestler? Nope. Oh, right. <laughs> Good guess, though. It's... Tiberius Julius Caesar Augustus, the second Roman emperor. Is it so? It's Julius Caesar then? No, it's, that's a different. Julius Caesar was a well popular name back then. Well, pop- <laughs> well popular. Can't, yeah. can't move for Julia. Can't move for Julius Caesar's back then. Yeah, no, he, it was a different one. Oh, 
What three subjects is Kelly studying on her trip to Europe? French. Mm-hmm. Art. Ooh. Well, one of them is related to art. I'll, I'll give you that. I know what the punchline is. Nude male drawing. So I'll give you that for art. And the other one is history. It's economics. Economics, right? Yeah. And nude male drawing. I've uh, fun fact. I've uh, I've done that. I have been a model for nude male drawing. Yeah. During my brief stint living in Norwich, that was interesting. <laughs> it, that sounds like a pun. Briefs tint as in the color of briefs. There you go. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Briefs tint. Unintentional pun. But yeah. I think, though, right, if you were doing nude model drawing on the regular in that it's a class, you know the phrase, uh, I was going to say taking your work home with you, but also uh, if you work in a coffee house, just the smell of coffee n- doesn't do anything for you. Is it the yeah. same as the sight of nude men? But maybe yeah. Woody's hoping that's the attitude she take. You know, if I see another, if I see enough, I'll just become immune to like I can't move for French baguettes. <laughs> <laughs> Real bordering the line on PG podcast here. Ah, all, it's fine. All, all I'm saying is that she'd get tired of looking at them because she's been inundated with them. <laughs> uh, right. Next question. Jesus wept. What is the name of the drunken couple who always fight in the pool room? They, they're given a brief mention, and I, I'll tell you what, this is one that I have to be really careful not to mispronounce. Um, wasn't paying that much attention. Is it a, a couple, like, man and woman, or like a couple, couple of guys, or...? I think it's man and woman. Pff, I don't know. It is the Lunts. Right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Norm obviously is designated driver, so he can't have any of the bubbly stuff. However, he is drinking a Shirley Temple. Can you tell me the ingredients of a Shirley Temple? Lemonade. Correct. And cranberry juice? Oh, it's grenadine. Ice, grenadine, lemon lime soda, so Sprite or 7-Up, or you can have it with ginger ale, and then for garnish, uh, a maraschino cherry. Yep, named after the child actress. Correct. She was also, in later years, the United States ambassador to Ghana and Czechoslovakia and the chief of protocol of the US. Retired from film in 1950 at the age of 22. What Oscars was Ghostbusters nominated for, and what did it lose to? Best picture, best visual effects. Yeah, it was nominated for best visual effects. Uh, who did it lose to? Uh, yes. For the visual effects award. And there's another award it was nominated for that it also lost. What year was this? 84. Something like E.T. or Back to the Future. I'm trying to think of like some of the big 80s films. I don't know. Go on. Uh, it lost to Temple of Doom for best visual oh, effects. Of course, yeah. Uh, and do you want to take a stab at the other award? Best soundtrack? Yeah, I'll give you that. Uh, best original song. Okay. And did it win that? It did not. Oh, come on. What's that losing to? Uh, I just called to say I love you. Get out. <laughs> for The Woman in Red uh, is the film in which that featured. It's not a bad song, don't get me wrong. I think Ghostbusters is a better song. Yeah, it's best visual effects. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's quite close between Temple of Doom, Ghostbusters. I get yeah. it. Temple of Doom is the better film. Yeah. Visual effects for Ghostbusters have held up pretty well. But yeah, best original song, that was, it was robbed. Robbed, I tell you. Thievery. 
that's last call, are we having the Shirley Temple with some cheddar popcorn? Yes, please, and thank you. Easy. So we're going to enjoy these. We're going to watch Ghostbusters, we think. We're going to enjoy that. Yeah, man. You'll listen to us again next week for a, a ghosty episode. Thank mm-hmm. you.